Welcome to Slayer Fest '98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford, and I'm Matthew Rodriguez, and we are your guides through the magical world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and um, it's just family today. I mean, everyone's our family, but it's just <laughs> it's just us squirrels. Yeah, uh, talking about the episodes. The first two episodes that are, like, outside of kind of Buffy mythology. Like, the big... You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, the very... Like, the, the main plot, the A-plot yeah. of the season. We're going to be talking about The Witch and Teacher's Pet, season one, yeah. episodes three and four. So, has it been a while since you'd seen these episodes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't usually go back to season one that often. Usually, Prophecy Girl... Or the first episode are, like, the only episodes I, like, go back to. I think I'm a season one apologist. Right, <laughs> no, I think... I know, I, I, um... You're right, I actually don't go back to season one a lot either. But I think it's... It's better than I think I remember it being. Like, if you... Especially, I think, now with, like, Netflix and everything we watch, like... You know, we spend so much time apologizing, being like, okay, like, X-Files has really low production value, but, like, watch it, it's still great, yeah. right? And so, like, once you get past some of, like, the initial production values and some of the corniness, like, I think there's actually a lot of interesting stuff happening in season one, and including in, in The Witch and Teacher's Pet. I mean, The Witch, while the show was airing, once I got, like, super obsessed, The Witch was, like... One of my favorite episodes. I really liked the like twist and like it being witches and like Amy becoming a reoccurring like all those things like made me really like that episode. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, so let's start with the beginning. I mean, f- the first thing we see in Witch, if I remember, is um, well, I mean, Buffy tr- is trying out for the cheerleading squad, and more so than the first two episodes, this is really dealing with, like, Buffy wanting to be, like, a normal girl. And I think that's a really, that's a reoccurring theme throughout season one that really comes to a head with Prophecy Girl, is, like, her wanting to just, like, have some semblance of normality, and she, so she's trying to, like, try out for the Chilling Squad, and, like, it reminds me of the part in, um, the season six, no, season seven episode, Him, where oh, yeah. Dawn tries to use her old outfit and, like, the cheerleading outfits have gotten really sexy. Because the episodes are, the, uh, the outfits are really frumpy. Yeah. Yeah, they For are. cheerleaders, and it's really funny. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then we... So, one of the interesting things that I thought was kind of, like, the way that the show has evolved in showing magic. Because, like, the very first time they show magic, it's, like, this gloopy, like, green <laughs> cauldron that is so cheesy. Well, a thing that... I noticed, so I was, like, looking at, like, I told you I was looking over, like, fun facts about each episode, because, like, things I probably didn't notice, and I didn't even think about this, that, like, it's the first time they use the, like, your pu- your eyes turning, like, jet black to, like, mean magic. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of, like, I mean, it's, like, nothing, but, like, it's still, like, a throw, like, eventually becomes, like, when they do that with Willow. Well, I mean, we were talking in the last two episodes about how, like, Every, even as things evolve, like, the way they show magic and what it does, like, in a lot of season one, a lot of the mythology of Buffy is built. So the dusting of the vampires, like, eventually it becomes way more sophisticated. But we get the mythology of the dusting in the first two episodes. We get the mythology, I guess, of, like, Joss is just showing, like, what the rules are in his world. And we get, we get the, the eyes changing for magic. (coughs) 
Um, but I also think it's interesting because we get to the point in like season six where it's like Wicca good and women power and love the earth and I'll be over here. But like the first time that we see magic, it's very like, like there's a, an angry woman who's mad <laughs> that she lost her youth and beauty and she's just going to like take it out on these young girls and stuff like that. I really, I also really like the scene when Buffy, like, asks her mom, like, oh, would you go back? And her mom is like, oh, God, no. Yeah. Because, like, that's kind of how I would feel. Like, oh, God, I would not want to be an awkward teenager again, ever. In rewatching, because I'm, I, I, like, have, I've already rewatched up to, like, mid-season, or, like, early season two, and... I mean, like, her and her mom have some really interesting chats. Yeah. Like, Joyce is low-key the bomb. <laughs> and, or high-key. Joyce is high-key the bomb. And she really does try to understand Buffy. Um, and I thought, like, that 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 talk in The Witch was, like, it was very real. I was reading something. You, I mean, I'm sure on the 20th anniversary, which passed this week, you read a whole bunch of Buffy content. And did you see, like, Christine Sullivan was part of the the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable. Oh, don't worry. That made me cry when I read <laughs> and it. And she talked about playing a single mom. Yeah. Which, like, is an aspect I didn't even think about as yeah. much, I guess. I mean, I was raised by a single mother. Um, and so I, when I read it, I had a lot of emotional resonance. And I guess it wasn't something that when I think, when I go back and think on Buffy, that I think about Joyce as a single mother. But it made, it, 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 it made so much sense. It was so powerful. Well, also because, like, because it's a TV show... They don't quite present as, like, there's any, like, you don't, and you don't think about it because they don't present it because the house seems really big. It's, it, like, they present as a wealthy family, but they're not supposed to be more, like, I guess middle class, Well, right? I mean, there was a moment in Prophecy Girl where Buffy, where um, Joyce gets Buffy the dress and Buffy's like, can we afford oh, right. this? Yeah. And I was really shocked by that because, like, as a 16-year-old, like, I guess you are kind of keen on your parents' finances, not in any in-depth way, but, like, I guess at that point you know I guess, yeah. what SES bracket you're in. <laughs> and, you know, for all intents and purposes, like, her mom is a gallery owner. Like, yeah. how much money yeah. does she make, you know? And the dad's, like, non-existent. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, okay, so, yeah, we have the magic, and we have a really great conversation with Buffy and her mom. And, um... I mean, so another thing that Joss is setting up is, like, every episode, I feel like, in the first season sets up the whole thing of, like, every episode is going to be a metaphor about high school and just, like, the competitiveness of the cheerleading. So I always think about this whenever someone mentions a metaphor. Like, watching it when I was in high school, it never occurred to me that it was ever, like, a metaphor. Like, of course, now I know that. But, like, watching it, that never, like, crossed my mind at all until, like, I think when I was, like... 19 or 20? I'm not sure how old I was when, like, season 6 or 7 aired, and I was like, oh, right, like, all of that was, like, a metaphor for high school, not just, like, oh, she's in high school, and also there are monsters that are, like, demons. Um, I was 14 when season 7 aired. (sighs) You're just so cute! (laughs) (sighs) Anyway! (laughs) So, also... In the fun facts that I have here that, like, I read, it's, I didn't even think about this either. It's the first time Giles is knocked out, and, like, that becomes, like, a reoccurring thing that happens, like, all, because even Cordelia makes a joke about it, and is it Gingerbread in season three? And she's like, one of these remember. days you're gonna wake up in a coma, and he's like, wake up in a, oh, never mind. That's, like, my favorite. I've never seen, uh, 
I haven't. I'm not. I've never. I've never seen Gingerbread. I was what about is to that? Be upset with you. No, I haven't seen Gingerbread in a long time, so I don't remember. I think it's that episode. She, yeah, because she has to go get help because everyone else has been captured, and she's like the only one left. And then she finds Giles unconscious at Buddy's house. We have to have an episode where we just go through all of the top twenty lists that came out <laughs> this week with the anniversary because be there were so many controversial ones. And I don't, I mean, I also think that there are a lot of overreactions. Like when I posted mine, it was not supposed to be a best of or a ranking. I mean, it was a best of, but it wasn't like the definitive one as opposed to the definitive big bad ranking that I did. (laughs) But um, I felt like I got so much pushback and I was like, all I said was like, these are 23 great episodes. Like, and Buffy has more than 23 great episodes. (laughs) Like a lot of people like amends. I don't like amends, but you know. But I also tried to do it in a way that I felt like I was being objective and not being like well anyway we can get to that other time. well but like yeah. for me yeah like <laughs> um one of my friends um it was funny his husband messaged me and was like you put hush on the top of your list that's like predictable mine would be chosen and i was like you know what i think that's a fair choice because i do i think chosen's like really good um i don't think chosen would be at the top of anyone's best of list that's I, ridiculous i think it's i think it's a really good episode but also it is I, but not the top i said to him which i felt like was like the most lame thing for me to say and i feel like he thought i was bullshitting but i really wasn't like i love the show so much that for me i accept almost any ranking of like episodes because there's not i saw a lot of people on twitter saying that they really hate um oh my god wild where the wild things are or is it Wild Things? I forget. Where the Wild four. Things are? Yeah. And like for me, I'm like, oh no, that's like a fun standalone episode. Like, Yeah, I like Where the Wild Things Are. I also don't even hate Beer Bad. Like I could watch Beer Bad and be like, okay, fine. Like, yeah. Like it's it's just a like, weird episode. But you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar is to act like a cave person. And like we all, and like Parker gets hit on the head. Yeah. And like that feels good. The only episode that I would say, the only two episodes I don't like are Double Meat Palace and maybe Killed to Death or Killed by Death. First of all, I love Killed by Death, so you can go over there. <laughs> the only episode I can actually say I don't like, and I forgot the title of it, though, is the season six Dead Things. The season oh, six episode ch- Dead Things, where, they, Warren, where kills. Warren kills that woman. I yeah. I also think, besides, I just think that episode's boring, as much as it's about killing some girl. Like, okay. I just think it's boring. That's fair. So I actually don't, and I can see Dolmy Palace being a bit much. For me, it's like, but it's the penis not monster. that funny and really bleak. And I'm like, I need, like, we can have bleak, but also some funny, but like, and the penis monster. It's a penis monster. <sighs> I watched a movie and she was in it and I can't remember what oh, it was. Oh, she's like one of those older character actresses that's in a lot. Yeah. Um, we'll get to I'm that. I'm getting off topic. I know. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the witch. So, um, we also kind of, so I think the episode ends, the episode ends kind of with like, well, no, we don't have to get to the end yet. Um, Cordelia, it's one of those things, so I said the other day when we were talking about Cordelia and how I still feel like the show doesn't know what to do with her in season one, whereas she actually gets a lot to do in season two. Yeah. In season one, there's still, like, that whole thing of, like, her going blind and stuff like that. Like, I felt like that could have been any student, and they're just like, well, we need it to be Cordelia because yeah. we're paying her as a series regular. I thought about saying that when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like oh, was... this is what Matthew was talking about. <laughs> yeah, because they just don't have anything yet for her to do. So, you know, she gets into that car accident... And Buffy saves her. And um, I also thought it was really interesting because this is the first episode where, like, 
One of the things that this show actually really d- does really well in season one is try to show you how smart Buffy is. Yeah. They're, like, Buffy may not be academically smart. Like, you know, they show her GPA on the screen, and, like, I think there's supposed to be implications that she's not the best student. Or not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are. There's implications that she's not really a great student. Yeah. But, like, the first... This episode, I think, aside from... Besides, like... Um, so, in the first two episodes, it was really about, like, Giles reading prophecies and telling her where to go, which is actually her, like, trying to solve a mystery. It's, like, her being, like, like putting clues together, which happens in a lot of the of the other um, episodes. And it's kind of, like, we see Buffy stepping up and actually being the person who, like, when, it do- when, when something isn't written in a prophecy, she has to, like, put the steps together. And she often gets it before other people do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. It's, like, mini-detective work. And yeah. she does that, like, yeah, you're right. Every episode where there's, like, not a prophecy, she has to put, like... I mean, we're, we're talking about Teacher's Pet, too. In Teacher's Pet, she does the same thing. She sees the that really badass vamp get spooked by the French teacher. Yeah. Slash praying mantis woman. <laughs> um, which, the thing I love about that is that, like... In the, se- in the first season, they really don't name the demons. And yeah. all the demons are kind of, like, just, like too literal like they're none of them are like oh this is a subalty demon this is what it does it's just like oh no she's a giant praying mantis and she also happens to teach science about praying mantises like it's a little on the nose but yeah no she definitely like puts the mystery together and she gets the bat sonar and like all that stuff it's really like she's she's really astute yeah and like also they do the like well never mind we'll get to that i was gonna say also the teacher died but that's teacher's pet so the witch, yes. Um, also, the witch has, like, that weird ending where they don't know where the mom went. Like, I think that, like, for me, that ending, like, I really liked it. Like, they're like, oh, like, I forget what the last lines are, but they mention it, and then they're just like, oh, wonder where she is, and they show the eyes and the statue. Right. I always wished in season seven they would have had a callback to that, because the witch is one of my, like... Well, and, like, as the school is being destroyed, yeah. she's just like, well, I guess I'm going to be underground yeah. forever now. Um... <laughs> Well, one of the interesting things about both the ending of The Witch and Teacher's Pet is that season one, you know, Joss is still playing by a lot of TV rules and he's keeping so many things open because at the end of Teacher's Pet, they, you also see like the eggs like hatch too. Yeah. In, 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 the, in the closet, supposedly the ones that were like, um, what's the word? Fertilized. By the teacher. What a word. I, I really couldn't know. think of the word for Elias. <laughs> I wanted to say, like, spermed up or I something. was going to say hatched. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So so they both have the kind of, like, hokey, like, oh, is the evil really vanquished yeah. ending? I feel like that's one of the things I, I really, like, because they do a lot of that in season seven where they do, like, callbacks to the first few seasons. And I really always wish that they would, like, had done, like, specific callbacks like that. Like... Not even, like, a Praying Mantis episode. Just, like, maybe they find... Like, while Buffy's doing some other shit, she's like, oh, those are some Praying Mantises. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But it's like, oh, right, Natalie French. Like, something like that. Well, like, maybe they were just... Dest- maybe the eggs were destroyed when um, the mayor was... When, true. When there were explosions. Who knows? That's true. Um, so, okay. Is there anything... I mean, we can also talk about Teacher's Pet, because I actually think there's a lot of interesting things happening in Teacher's Pet. Ian doesn't think there's a lot of interesting things happening <laughs> in Teacher's Pet, however. He doesn't. But I came with notes. Oh. <laughs> no, because 
I think Teacher's Pet opens so interestingly. We were talking the other week about, like, season one is actually a Xander-heavy season. Xander gets a lot of time, way more than Willow. I think the show understands how interesting Willow is in season two. Yes. But in season one, they really think Xander is going to be someone is going to be someone more than like some construction worker who loses his eye. And I, th- <laughs> and I think in season one, also they try to like, they want you to like Xander, and like they're also trying to appeal to like the straight male nerds, I guess. By having well, I guess like maybe Xander also heavy. they're trying to have. I mean, maybe they're appealing to the teen girls who watch the show and maybe thought Xander was hot. I mean, he did say that in the Hollywood Reporter interview, but I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I've been seeing someone on Twitter this week just, like, railing against Xander. Like, oh, yeah. rewatching it from the beginning. You've seen it? And, like, saying so many things about Xander. I'm like, I don't think that he was that terrible. Like, he's not, like, someone like Chandler on Friends, who is, like, the epitome of every terrible thing. They're also 16. Um, oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. Is like, he's just, like... I mean, 16-year-old boys are stupid and like and xander sure we is been problematic if we were like oh yeah you know i was hella problematic like five days ago i feel like i'm saying i feel like i still am at 34 so like <laughs> i can like accept that they all love each other but all of them for me have flaws and that's what makes it like that's why i love them because like they have flaws and we know about their flaws um and xander you know is like dealing with like oh like what you said he's dealing with the fact that he isn't as important as, like, Buffy is, and he has a crush on her, and, like... Well, I think, you know, you know, like, you're a fiction writer, right? So, like, there's two (laughs) plots in the world, right? Like, what is it? Like, people go on a journey, or a stranger comes to town. So, Buffy is, like, a stranger comes to town, it's Buffy, and Xander falls in love with her, and she is this, like, ultra-powerful woman, and so I think the show is actually dealing with that psychology of, like, being a boy who's like desperate for female attention and is putting all of his eggs in this basket of someone who is his friend, um, who's also dealing with her own shit. Like I just, you know, I don't, I don't know, but the way the episode starts is very interesting because it starts with his dream and we're so used to episodes dealing with Buffy's dreams, Yeah, but it starts with Xander's dream. And so that's why I say that, like, if you really think about, once again, from a fiction perspective, if you think about, like, point of view, like, an episode gets into Xander's head, and the show doesn't do that a lot. Yeah. Get away from, like, being seen almost through Buffy's point of view. Like, we follow Buffy most of the time. That's true. And it's very rare. Like, it has to be, like, it has to be an episode like the Zeppo, or what's the one where he, where there are two Xanders in season five? The Replacement. The Replacement? Like, that, those are episodes where we're clearly from Xander's point of view. Yeah, that's true. But so early on, starting with his dream, he has a crush on his French, and, like, it's a really, it's an episode that deals a lot with his feelings, and I just think that's really, I don't know, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because then, I wonder if they did that, they probably did, on purpose, because season seven, he has the dream about the Slayer girls. There's the beginning of that episode, because they're all at his apartment, and freaking Rachel Bilson is in it, and she's like... (laughs) <laughs> I thought you were talking about the dreams Buffy has with the potential oh, no. <laughs> dying. I was like, Buffy, Xander has those dreams? Um, yeah, no, he has that dream, the, the sexy dream. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I... There's also... 
I mean, this sets up a major theme in the show, which is that like all all relationships and all crushes and everything are going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's not this episode actually. What episode is it? Of it's in this season where they're sitting at the end of the episode. They're sitting at the fountain and they're like, "All our relationships are doomed." Is it this episode? Isn't it the end of the harvest? The Earth no. is definitely doomed. No, there's an episode this oh. season where the last shot is just. Buffy, Xander, and Willow sitting at the fountain, and it starts the beginning of, like, all of our relationships are going to be doomed type thing. I don't know if doomed is the word, but I mean, yeah, Giles isn't there, Hmm. and it's just them... Oh, I know which one it is. It is, um, I, Robot, You, Jane. Okay. Because at that point now, Willow has been through a bad relationship, And Buffy knows that Angel is a vampire. So they are sitting at the thing being okay. like, oh, all of our relationships are doomed. That makes sense. So Teacher's Pet starts that whole thing of like, they're going to like fall in love with some of these weirdos. and Or these like demons even. Obviously. And that's literally what the show is about. Like, yeah. They all... But yeah, I mean, overall, Teacher's Pet is just, like, a little too much of an on-the-nose, like, okay, like, my teacher is a praying mantis. Well, and for me... While I defend Xander's right to be a shitty 16-year-old straight male who's, like, going through it, for me, that's not as interesting as anything Buffy and Willow do. And I'm always more interested in watching Buffy be upset or watching, like, Willow, like, have some, like, I, Robot, You, Jane. I actually, like, still like that episode. Um, it's not a bad episode. Yeah. It's, like, you know, dated with technology because computers in 1997, who knew what they were? Um... But magnets, what's up with that? <laughs> um, how do they work? That's what I meant. Magnets, how do they work? And yeah, I don't know. For me, like that's just yeah. I mean I also the like implications that this like hot they never like to give her an age. Or do they? No, they don't. Who? Natalie French. Oh no, I don't None. think so. Like that this like hot older woman would want to sleep with this like sixteen year old, the like weird like child like oh it's very mary kate Letourneau. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's, and even i mean there's a there's a part i mean it isn't it, there is an interesting dynamic at work because like you also have the jock guy who's very like trying to sleep with natalie french also and he gets there and then there's the part where they're in the cage and he's like she's gonna try to mate with you and it's very like gross and off-putting <laughs> The funny thing is, so the I actually have like a really strong memory tied to this episode. Okay. <laughs> so as you and I both have, we like, you know, have introduced Buffy to other people, and so we've watched the whole thing with other people to introduce yeah. it to them. And in college, I had gotten my friend Dan into it. And so we were watching it and we like had set times like every week where he would come over and we'd watch an episode or two. And I remember he was coming over to watch it. And then, like, it was obviously very early on because we were going to watch Teacher's Pet. And, I mean, anyone who's gone away to college, you know, it's like sometimes just like a million people end up in your room. You don't know how it happened or whatever. So we put on the episode and there were like seven or eight people who were all my friends in the room. (laughs) And, like, a lot of them had never seen Buffy before. And they were like, is this what Buffy is? Because this (laughs) fucking sucks. And I had to be like, listen, guys, this is the fourth episode of the entire series. And it is, and like... (laughs) 
they were fighting their footing and I had to like defend the entire series because <laughs> they sat in the room and the only episode a lot of them had ever seen of Buffy was Teacher's Pet. That is really weird. It's It was just like, I felt so bad. I was like, I'm trying to bring Dan on this journey and you are being so judgmental of Teacher's Pet. <laughs> I mean, I probably would be too if that were the first episode I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, also, they do that thing that they do in season three where it's like, oh, this teacher's nice to Buffy. This teacher's gonna die. Yeah. Um, which I don't know why is a thing they like doing. Um, cause also him, like, I feel like the violence almost seemed a little bit more brutal in the first, like, season or two. Then it, like, later it became very, like, I don't know, like, more like, oh, she stabbed someone. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's beheaded. And, like, you know, in the season finale, Cordelia's boyfriend and, like, all of his friends are murdered in whatever break lunchroom that they have. And, like, there's blood smeared on the TV. Like, that's not something I think they would have done later. Well, I mean, it's funny you say that because in that episode, they actually don't show the mantis getting killed. They do it with the shadows on the wall. Mm. The sh- they and they Because they have Buffy hacking at it with a machete, but... They don't show it getting killed. They do it, like, through shadows, which I'm sure is a budget thing, too. Yes. Like, they didn't have a good way <laughs> to make that praying mantis look like it was dying. Yeah. Because I don't... Do bugs have blood? I don't know. If you scratch, stomp on a praying mantis... I mean, it's, it's a not a real bug, right? It's a monster bug, so, like, it could have wow, blood. Wow. A real bug. <laughs> wow. I told you I'm so problematic at 34. <laughs> so, this bug-phobia that we have... But, like, right? They could have been, like, oh, green goo's coming out of it, and I would have right. accepted that. Like, oh, totally. Sure. The same goo that was in the cauldron <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of the witch. It's the same goo. Also, I almost wish that we had seen, um, this is going back to the witch, but I wish we had seen, um, I forget the guy's name. I want to say he's in, like, Rilo Kylie. I meant to look this up. The guy that's in Gingerbread, who's the, like, other witch that's friends with Amy, who, like, they kind of, like, make it that they're making fun of, like, the jocks are making fun of him. Buffy saves him from being made fun of. Does he have the nails and the... Yeah. He's, yeah. like, very, like, 90s goth. Not yeah. unlike me. Um, I almost wish we had seen him in The Witch. Well, I mean... I mean, you never see him again, but I would have liked to... I think he was in Rilo Kylie, one of those bands. It's just interesting to me because The Witch is the first non-vampire episode they do. It's only three episodes in, and, like, Buffy doesn't even slay a vampire in it, I don't think. Oh, like, yeah. she doesn't do any... She doesn't kill anyone. She doesn't really kill The Witch, either. Yeah. And I think it's, just like, a really strong statement. Like, will like... Joss being like, we're also going to deal with people. Yeah. Because Buffy never kills anyone except, I think, till season five, where she kills those guys on the horses who the are trying to... The Knights of Byzantium or whatever. The Knights of Byzantium, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just an interesting statement. Like, she literally does not... I Maybe she's out for patrol that episode. Maybe. I don't think so, though. I don't think so. Also, um, Amy is in every season but season five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we actually didn't talk that much about how Amy is introduced. Yeah. Amy is... I really like the actress who plays Amy. I yeah. think she's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Amy even sticks around past the TV show. She goes into the comics. And, yeah. You know, the the storyline they do with the comics is almost like I wish they had been able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in season seven we see her, but it's only one. Like, I would have liked a little, even like a mini arc of her being like the villain that Willow has to, like, really fight magic with. Because they only, like, again, budgetary constraints. They can only do so much. 
Um, it would have been interesting. I was reading something that I disagreed with. Okay. So let's talk about it. All right. Because we have time. We <laughs> can talk as long as we want. <laughs> I was reading something that I totally disagree with that said that in every season, except one, because it was a short season, in almost every season they do a pivot from who you think the big bad is going to be. Mm. Um, in season two, they piv- the argument was that like they pivot from Spike and Drusilla to Angel. Right. And in three, there is no pivot. I don't even know what they were saying. And then in four, they were like, you think it's going to be Maggie in the initiative, but it's Adam. But they don't do it in five either. I don't know. That It was like, I, I thought mean, that was a silly argument. Okay, so season three, I should see that, like almost the opposite. Like, you don't think it's going to be Faith. And then Faith is Right, you like, think it's just going to be the mayor, and then yeah. the mayor and Faith kind of team up. Um, And in season... Five, I guess maybe like I mean they did march at Dracula a lot. I was bummed that we never saw him again. So it almost is like because we don't see Glory for the first like four or five episodes, I think. But she, yeah, she comes in and like sees. I, I mean they don't introduce the big bad early that early but then in, in any season episode. Six, you think it's a trio, and like they kind of are, but like it's right. more so. Willow. Well, they lead, yeah, and they lead to Darkwell. Yeah, like Darkwell wouldn't have about the trio, and season seven is always the first. Yeah. Um, but the reason I made that was like, imagine if like the beginning of season seven, they had just had, I mean, they actually waited, I think a long time for the killer and me to have that little mini, um, Amy episode, but leading into season nine, we all know that like, I mean, if not all know, if, if anyone's read season nine, we know that Amy was quote unquote there when Warren died. Yeah. And like saved him. That's what they're trying to say in the comic books that like she saved him from actually dying, dying. Like she got there the moment that he would have died. Kind it's of season like season eight, isn't it? Season eight. Sorry, season eight. Yeah. And it's kind of like how Buffy died at the end of season one, but someone was there to save yeah. her. So someone was there to save Warren right before he died and they team up and like they're the big bads. But imagine like if Amy knew what happened to Willow and like had I don't know, like while she was gone in rehab tried to like do some shady shit to be like the most powerful witch in Sunnydale or something. Yeah. And like I think that would have been like kinda cool. Because they really do waste Amy because she's so good in the first few seasons before she turns into a rat. And then you see her briefly in that episode in Something Blue. Yeah. And then she becomes Willow's magic buddy in season six. I really think they could have done more with her. I remember being bummed in season six when it ended up being, like, I remember being excited that she was coming back. I think, like, they showed it in the commercial for the episode when it, yeah. before it aired. And, like, I remember being a little bit bummed that she ended up being, like, bad. I mean, she's not really, like evil evil in those episodes she's kind of just like well, she's an enabler an in, enabler. in the yeah. great metaphor of season yes. six she's an enabler um but i kind of wanted it to be like oh she's the one that's like hey willow like relax and like another witch in town um who like could be on the show sometimes yeah because i feel like her and like harmony kind of were like the only characters from high school from high school that like weren't main characters but still appeared like a lot or sometimes right i love harmony i know me too i always thought she got a bad rap she did she was i mean yeah no she was really great and she's a delight in the last season of angel i've never seen the last season of angel <sighs> podcast canceled this <laughs> ian's just gonna do the podcast by himself this is me reciting all the lines from buffy um yeah. I keep uh, getting off subject. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's why I brought that up because we just like, we get the introduction to Angel, to Amy and she's such a great character. Um, but they really don't, if you, if you count up the number of episodes where Amy's featured, it's like 
five or eight. I really think it's like yeah, it's like, somewhere between five because it's only like one in season one, one in season two, and like one in season. But a great three. episode, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so the witch and teacher's pet, kind of like our entry into like Buffy is not only going to do vampires, there's going to be more. I kind of wish that they had done a demon instead of in the first season instead of just like a praying mantis. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> it was it was a weird metaphor and kind of stupid, but they did get a lot of character work done with Xander. Yeah, they do. And they I mean, you said this already like it's weird. We get like all the characters right away, but Willow doesn't get a lot to do this season except for like be the nerd. Um, they don't even, I think, they play into her liking Xander, but that doesn't even really happen until season two. Oh, yeah, I guess not, right? They don't really talk about it as much. Like, they do a little bit, but, like, in season two, it's, like, one of those things where she's actually... Wait, in, in Welcome to the Har- Hellmouth or The Harvest, when they're at the bronze, is does Willow not explicitly say that it's Xander she's talking about when Buffy gives the line, like, oh, seize the day, you never know, tomorrow I might be dead? Does Willow not say she likes Xander, or is it... Just like a veiled, like, oh, I have a crush on I thought she doesn't because they introduce them just as friends and she says that whole thing about he stole my Barbie. Mm. She probably doesn't. I don't remember. Who knows? We just watched these episodes. I know. We just watched them, but in fact, what we know. Who knows? We're your (laughs) experts. We don't know anything we're talking about. (laughs) Please listen next week. My dad just called me a Buffy scholar on the phone today. He was like, so is anyone else on the internet as obsessed with that show as you are? And I was like, yes, dad, there are a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, that's a lot, <laughs> a lot of people. I think my parent, my mom is still very surprised when like she sees me talking about Buffy and that like it's become a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know, both our mothers introduced it. But my mom is very like, watches a show. Right. Is done with it. And then can like live her life yes. without ever talking about it again. <laughs> but like me, I'm like, oh, I watch it. Let me watch it a hundred fucking more times. And decorate my room with things from it and, you know, be a crazy person about it because I can't, I don't let go of things well. I'm emotionally attached to everything, including this TV show, especially including this TV show. In fact, this week, both my boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend said separately to me, oh, I know Buffy comes first to me. (laughs) Wow. You heard it here, folks. I was like, well, at least I'm consistent. Given that I've don't have boyfriends and ex-boyfriends i think buffy does come first <laughs> and i don't have to feel bad about it i mean i don't hashtag, feel bad about it. hashtag single <laughs> um and <laughs> so okay let's end on this note let's end the, this mini debate okay it's something we can come back to a bunch of times someone once said to me and i think that it was when we were talking about witch and teacher's pet that they were talking about if buffy were made today let's imagine that Buffy was going to be on AMC or Showtime or HBO or something, and they were able to get more gory or whatever, or more sexy or whatever. And they were only doing, like, 10 to 13 episode seasons, which season one is 12 episodes or whatever, but they were just doing, you know, let's say say it wasn't a mid-season replacement or whatever. Um, What would you think about a Buffy that didn't have one-off episodes and just dealt with the major arcs? See... I don't know. I think the one-off episodes work really... Like, of course there are... Like, even some of my favorite shows, like Lost and Veronica Mars, the one-off episodes don't always work. Right. But for me, in Buffy, they almost always work. And I would think, like, you know, like Jessica Jones, which is, like, 
one of the few like more modern shows that I'm like, oh, this is a favorite of mine mm-hmm. because it's also like basically a face show. Um, Jessica Jones for me like was missing a few more standalone episodes. Like there, I think there's only one where she takes a case and it ends up being people who just like hate superheroes or whatever and blame them right. for stuff. Um, and I actually was like, oh, I wish there had been a few more of those. Like, I would have liked an episode where she takes a straight-up case that's just, like, kind of just, like, she has to solve, be a private investigator. Because we don't really get enough of that. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I really like having a standalone episode. I think that a shorter season shows still benefit from it. But I do like the standalone episode. Well, it's so funny because one of my main arguments in this kind of debate is that, first of all, I see a lot of shows on HBO, Showtime, blah, 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 that are 12 or 13 episodes. And they don't know how to make episodes. It really looks like they made a 13-hour movie that they just sliced. And the episodes don't really make sense as standalone units anyway. And even with that, they can sometimes drag. Yeah. Like, I watched all of Westworld, and I really liked it, but, like... Yeah, I mean, if you just... If you... It doesn't even come down to how many episodes there are. If you don't know how to do story, then you don't know how to do story. that's true. And Joss Whedon knows how to do story, and that's the thing about his standalone episodes, as opposed to... <clears throat> Charmed or another show like that <laughs> where like don't make people mad <laughs> I know Joss actually knows how to take an episode like Teacher's Pet and make it all about character because it's all about Xander that's true yeah and I actually think that like if you had just done 10 or 13 seasons 10 or 13 episode seasons you know and just focus on the big bad you actually would lose out on a lot of the richness of these characters because yeah it's like those episodes where they're not dealing because it's those episodes where they're not dealing with the big bad or the, you know, great evil, whatever that they're there. Joss is doing a lot. Yeah. And I think that's what endears us to the characters because we spend a lot more time with them. Yes. Like actually. Yeah. So to bring up Westworld again, like for me was like, because it was only, I think it was only 10, maybe 12. It was like, you really just care about what's going on. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I think that I like to care about the characters more. And but well, both. I like to care about the plot and the characters. Well, what we care about is you coming to visit us next week when we do our next episode, which is going to be about um, episodes five and six, which are "Never Kill a Boy on the First Date" and "The Pack." So um, it's time for us to sign off and make sure to listen next week. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. My name is Matthew Rodriguez, at Matthew Rodriguez. And you can also uh, follow Ian Carlos Crawford on Twitter, at Ian X Carlos. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And next week, we'll be back with another Slayer Fest 98. Bye.